Hello, and welcome to Expect More of Law, the podcast. I'm Professor Tanya Lehman, Dean of Law at Flinders University, and I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast celebrating law at Flinders University. In this podcast series, I'll be presenting inspirational interviews with current students and graduates who share their experiences about where their law studies have taken them across the spectrum of legal professions and industries. We'll take a deep dive into the current challenges faced by legal practitioners and present industry insights into the future of law. I hope these fearless voices inform and inspire you just as they have me. Hello everybody, I'm Tanya Lehman. I'm the Dean of Law here at Flinders. And I'm delighted today to be joined by one of our Flinders Law graduates who's been working all over the world. Hello, Tom, it's wonderful to see you again after all these years. And could you introduce yourself to us, please? Great to be back. My name is Tom Schinkle. I was a student at Flinders between 2009 and 2015. Yeah, I've practiced in various forms of uh, corporate uh, insolvency and restructuring law in a few different places since. And most recently you've been in New York? I have, I have. So I started my career in Sydney. Um, I worked for a firm called Henry Davis York, um, which is now part of Norton Rose Fulbright there for about three years. Uh, and then I moved my team to Cause Gems Westgarth, also in Sydney. Uh, and I was there for about a year and a half. Uh, and then I moved to Wild Got Sean Manges uh, in New York, uh, which is a large US firm. Uh, and I was there for three years and I've just moved back to Australia a couple of weeks ago. So what what was it that that uh, gave you the impetus to try your luck over in the Big Apple? Uh, look, it was, it's a funny question. It was, we were, I, my wife is also a lawyer and we were both kind of getting to that point in our careers where you'll find if you sort of practice corporate law and big firms in Australia, you get to about five, six years of experience, you're a senior associate, you kind of know how to do your job and you're sort of at a decision point whether you sort of stay in Australia um, and pretty much do the same stuff for the next five or six years before you start looking like you might be eligible for the partnership track or you can go overseas, do something a bit different and see the world. And we mm. thought the latter was, was mm. more interesting than mm. just sort of staying around in Sydney for the next, uh, next five years. Uh, and then in terms of picking New York, we kind of were thinking about where would work well with our two practice areas and, and the firms we worked for. Um, my wife had previously worked in Asia, so she was keen to try something different. And so we really were picking between New York and London and we decided New York sounded like a bit more of an adventure. So that's what we did. And did you have any difficulties getting admitted in New York or getting your practicing certificate yeah, there? Yeah, so to, to get in, to, to get admitted in New York, if you have an Australian law degree, you really just need to take the qualifying exams in New York, which are probably easier than the Americans make them out to be. Yeah, they are. They <laughs> well, there's are. always so much discussion it, about the it, New York it, bar exam. Yeah, it, 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 is a, it is a challenging test, but it, it's really a sort of broad, uh, shallow depth of your legal knowledge. Uh, and I think it's, it is well within the reach of anyone who's um, done reasonably well at law school in Australia. And I wouldn't let that discourage anyone who's thinking of uh, heading over there. It's definitely a I, uh, you can definitely do it. Great. Well, that's good to hear. So now I want to rewind the clock for a mm -hmm. moment and take you right back to your decision to study law. What led to that? Um, I, I sometimes joke to people it's because I didn't get into medical school, but that's not that's not really the answer. Look, I was sort of tossing up a few things, engineering, law, 
medicine and you know I sort of was leaning towards law because I felt that played to my strengths uh, but what ultimately convinced me I did some work experience uh, during high school with a barrister Peter Britton Jones who's now a member of the AAT here and just seeing him work and what he did on a day-to-day -day basis sort of convinced me that this was the sort of thing that I might be good at and might enjoy and I uh, haven't looked back since then. And I know it's, it's some time ago now, but thinking back to your law studies, highlights, challenges for you during your studies? I, th I think the biggest challenge, I think I, I sort of was here and I sort of was, you know, you're in the sort of law school bubble and you hear about, you know, it's, it's so hard to get a job, no one's going to get a job as a lawyer. And that was kind of a bit disheartening. And of course, um, uh, the economic climate and the employment market's changed a lot since has, you graduated has, a lot. But I think, you know, what kind of switched me around, we were actually had, um, we had our um, visiting federal court justice, which mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you still do, but that was, that was a great COVID, weekend. of course. Mm. Of course. But Nye Perham, who's yes. one, of, one of the better federal court judges, I think was here and I was chatting to him about this and he said, and I asked him the question, you know, have I made a big mistake studying law? Am I going to be able to get a job? And he said, you know, the way we do things in this country is when there's a problem, someone passes a law to fix it. And until we decide to fix our problems in a different way, <laughs> there's always going to be, uh, there's always going to be work for lawyers. And, uh, and you know, he was right, I think so far. And, and really, once I got my first job, it had, I had certainly haven't felt like I've, uh, you know, in danger of being out on the street dancing for nickels. Mm. And certainly speaking to many people who've got their fingers on the pulse of the employment market at the moment, it's it's a great time to be a law graduate. I think so. Look, I think the number one challenge for law firms today and in the foreseeable future is is retaining talent. Mm. That's That was certainly our number one challenge, I think, in terms of how, you know, particularly in the US and, and from what I hear it's here, there's so much work to do. The only limit is that they can't get enough people to do it. Mm. So I think, I think it's a great time to be a law graduate. Mm. So tell us again a little bit about the sort of work that you do and what that involves and the sorts of skills that that really have helped you mm -hmm. in that context. So I I started working as a insolvency litigator really at HDY. I did a lot of work for the big four Australian banks uh, enforcing uh, mortgages mm -hmm. uh, more or less. And, and through that experience, I sort of moved more to the sort of restructuring side of insolvency which was a sort of a more kind of rehabilitative effort, more complex working with um, distressed debt investors who, you know, purposely buy into the loans of a com company in distress to kind of profit off that, um, working more closely on the company side to help either investors or the management of a company rehabilitate their business. And ultimately, when I moved to the US, what I was doing in Australia was helping our, mainly helping our transactional lawyers in our team use court processes and other mechanisms under the Corporations Act to facilitate restructures. So whether that was schemes of arrangements, uh, dockers and VAs and, and that sort of thing. And VAs meaning? Uh, voluntary administration, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and when I moved to the US and that was was kind of fortuitous because that's, that's what they do in the US through in Chapter 11 and bankruptcy practice. It's a very, court-driven process. So my litigation background, although it's a transactional practice, was, was, was very useful because everything runs through the bankruptcy court there in a formal insolvency process. 
So let me just take you through some of the skills that you're using mm -hmm. in that context and think think about the sorts sure. of skills that you've learned at, at law school and then and how you're applying those on a daily basis. Yeah, look, I think there's a, a meme, shall we say, that people say, look, you know, the stuff you learn in law school isn't uh, relevant to your day-to-day -day practice and people who get good marks at law school don't necessarily make good lawyers. Yeah, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I use the skills that I learned here every day. And both the technical side of law, whether that's the principles of contract law, of equity, of corporations, which you see after you've been doing this for a few years, really run through everything you do. And you, you reach a point, even when you're in a different common law jurisdiction, where you'll get a sort of unique problem and you, you'll realize, you know, I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be going to be X. And probably out of seven times out of 10, you're right. And, and then the reason why you can do that is because, you know, these these things all do come together from, from some fundamental roots. So I think that's a, a really valuable skill. And, and the other thing, obviously, is the practical side. You don't know the answers to every problem that come mm. across, comes across your desk, but the you know having the skills to find them out, I think, is a really important thing that, you, that I certainly learned here. And if you're a student here now, I would make sure you take those, those two parts, the, the practical skill of how to find answers and the fundamental, a strong fundamental basis in, uh, in the common law. Thinking of studying more? Expect more. More focus on your future. More support. More skills. And more professional placements. Expect more of law. Apply to Flinders today. So thinking back over your career so far, mm -hmm. a highlight, what's been the most exciting thing that you've done? Ooh. Probably the most, uh, the most, you know, fulfilling thing. I worked in the U.S. on the bank Chapter 11 of Pacific Gas and Electric Company, which mm. is the uh, the electricity and gas uh, utility in Northern California. They were in a really difficult position due to a large number of wildfires their equipment mm. had been involved in, and a lot of harm which had been caused by those fires. And it was a a very difficult chapter 11. There were a lot of different stakeholders who all hated us. <laughs> but look, it was a, 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 a mammoth effort, but we got a great uh, reorganization plan that gave billions of dollars of um, compensation to victims and put the utility, which you know people need to get the, the lights on and, and the gas flow in Northern California on a, on a stable basis to go forward and operate safely in, a few, in the future. So that was the better part of two years of work and that was a really, mm. really proud moment for me in my career. So I'm so interested that you say that because really that's lawyers being involved in some of the really big issues mm. facing us as, as a planet, mm. you know, mm. climate change. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and thinking about all the different layers there and how important it is to have that legal knowledge and skill mm. to, to address one of those yeah. layers. Well, actually multiple of yeah, the layers yeah. there. Well, one of the fascinating things about the bankruptcy system in the US, and, and it's less so in Australia, but I suspect we will be facing some of these issues, is that where politics of the day hasn't addressed issues, whether they're climate change, drug addiction with people would have heard about the sort of the, the Sackler family and heard of pharmaceutical mm, and mm. Even, even gun control of the NRA mm. and all these companies then turn to the bankruptcy system to try and resolve these issues, which the political system hasn't been able to deal with. And I think the bankruptcy system in the US has done a, a really good job of doing what it can to sort of 
remedy some of the, the harms that have, that have come out that the political system hasn't addressed, but it's not, you know, it's not ultimately, it's not mm. the right tool to mm. do that. But, you know, the reality with politics, whether it's in the US or Australia these days is, I think it would be a fair comment, it's getting less effective mm -hmm. uh, in solving mm -hmm. society's problems. So I think more and more lawyers in, in practice are going to be turned to, to, you know, try and right some of those wrongs and, and put the institutions of our, um, of our society in a more sustainable footing going forward. That is fascinating because really the, often the way I think about lawyers mm. and legal professionals more broadly is that we are creative problem solvers. Mm, mm, mm. Someone comes to us with a problem or a challenge and we have to find a way through it um, to find a solution that meets the needs, if not the, the actual desires, mm, but meets mm, the needs mm. of all the parties and stakeholders mm. involved. And yep. it's, it's really interesting to hear your perspective on that and, and using one particular legal tool mm, mm. as a problem solving um, mechanism. Uh, yeah, and I think, look, I think that's, I like that you kind of hit on that point because I think people often ask me, what's the, you know, how can I go from being a, a law student or a paralegal into being a, a, a really good lawyer? And I think that the difference in between, you know, the law student approach of you get an assignment, you do an assignment, you hand it in and being a lawyer where someone like me will probably give you a task and not really explain it properly. And, and, and you know, so, you know, I think that thinking about the, rather than just the sort of the, you know, the question you've been given and thinking about the problem you're ultimately looking to solve and how what you're doing fits into that broader problem and, and coming back to, you know, the person you're working for and saying something's the effect of, well, you've asked me this question, but I think thinking about what we're doing, the real question you want to answer mm. Is, mm. Is, is this. Mm. And I think coming to legal practice from a position of problem solving as opposed to a sort of an academic exercise is a really good way to think about what we do and how to add value as a lawyer beyond a guy that churns out contracts. Mm. Excellent. That's so interesting. Now let's just Take the tone slightly different. What have some, been some of the challenges that you've encountered along the way? Legal practice is difficult, and particularly private practice can be can be very challenging at times. And I think what I would would say to people about that is that most lawyers are you know are very good at hiding their problems and keeping them you know keeping them bits bubbling up inside, inside. themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that has two problems. Number one, it makes problem worse generally and uh, and, mm, and and other people can't can't tell that there's anything wrong so i guess you know i think when i've faced challenges in my career uh what i've realized is that you've got to you've got to ask for help mm. and lawyers are busy people and and you're probably good at bottling up your problems so people aren't necessarily going to know when you're under stress you know you're you're unwell and i think you know asking for help you, you've got to do it and i think um, you might be pleasantly surprised with the response. I think there's been a cataclysmic shift even Absolutely. since I started practicing in Absolutely. the attitudes, yeah. uh, obviously to mental health, which is a big issue, but you know, that the whole spectrum of challenges people face. Mm. And as we said, you know, law firms don't want to lose people because it's, it's hard to replace them. Um, and whether you're having a mental health issue or just, you know, a general work issue, I think certainly for the people that, that I work with, I would really want them to talk about their problems before quitting their job or, or doing something else drastic mm. because you know as 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 lawyers and as people i think we all want to see each other succeed and um it's easier to do that together than trying to fight it on our own mm, absolutely and i 
I, I wholeheartedly endorse uh, those comments about reaching out and seeking help. And, and we know too that that healthy people perform so much better yeah. uh, and, <laughs> and have better lives. Yeah, so exactly. um, health, whether it's physical health, mental health, spiritual health, all of those things, mm. you know, really important mm. holistic mm. view of how we think about caring for ourselves mm. so that we can care for our clients or mm. the other people exactly. that we work with. Mm. So what's next on the horizon for you now? I've, as I said, I've just moved back to Australia. Mm -hmm. I'm going back to Sydney, back to work at Cause Chambers Westgarth and mm -hmm. their restructuring team. Um, and I'm just going to interrupt there to say that illustrates to me the importance of really building your networks and maintaining connections yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, that's been really important to me in my career and, and something I would often say to law students that they don't find obvious is you know, you do, people say, you know, you've got to go out and network and that's true, but, you know, going to a law society function and talking to a bunch of lawyers who are 20 years older to you is, is you know, there's nothing it's really wrong. really hard. There's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, you probably ultimately won't find that particularly useful. The most important networking I did was with students who are a few years above me at law school. Mm -hmm. Because when you graduate, they'll be out in the workforce for a couple of years. They know you and they're in a good position to vouch for you. And that's how I got my first job. It was through a relationship with someone who was a few years ahead of me at law school, who knew that I was smart and hardworking, made that recommended, and that's how I got my, my mm. first job. Mm. So I'd encourage people to get involved, you know, socially in law school. I was involved in FULSA, which was a great way to meet yep, yep. people beyond my immediate classes. And I'd encourage everyone to do that. And, you know, the more people you know, the better you're going to get, the further you're going to go in this profession. And particularly in those early years, because it is tough to get a graduate job. And, you know, I think making those connections and getting people out in the workforce who know you and like you, they're the people that, you know, when a team needs an extra lawyer because someone's they'll left. They'll say, what about? They'll say, do you, they'll talk, turn to the junior mm. lawyers and say, do you, do you know anyone? Mm. Before they go out and publish an ad or something mm. like that. So I think that was important in my early career. And then as I sort of developed, you know, I think I made a point in my career to find, you know, search out good people to work for. Because the reality in private practice is you're going to work hard. And I found that a lot more rewarding and, uh, pleasant when you're working for good people who cared about you. So if you seek out those people in your career and and, and put in the hard yards for them, um, it tends to come back to you. And, mm. and I got my job in the US through a connection for a partner I worked for in Australia, and, and they're the people who are having you back. So find good people, put in the effort for them, and it will you'll be rewarded. Yes. Now, sorry, I took you off. Those are fantastic <laughs> insights, but I took you off your of your train of thought, which is what's next for you? Oh, yeah. yeah. What's so, on the horizon? <laughs> so I'm going back to Sydney. I'm going back to, to be a senior associate in the restructuring, insolvency and special situations team at Cause. And really, I'm looking to build on relationships I built in the US, uh, do more of that sort of as we're going into a rising interest rate environment. You know, more businesses are going to be facing pressure from their financial obligations and the, the the new world we're in after COVID. I think it was was interesting in the US, 2021 was actually a very quiet year mm. for restructuring because mm. a restructure is quite expensive for a company uh, and its lenders and everyone was saying, well, let's just wait one more quarter until we get into the new normal. And it sort of went on and on and on. But I think we're 
I think we're in the new normal now, so I think we're going to see a lot more. Whatever uh, normal is. Whatever normal is, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think the Reserve Bank signaled us that the, uh, the party's over. So I think we'll be seeing a lot more action on the restructuring front, and I'll be looking to you know, help companies with that, see what connections I can bring between you know, US clients and Australian clients, and um, yeah, um, just try and help some people out. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Uh, and it's great to reconnect with you after all these mm, years yeah. as well. So just in conclusion then, thinking back to the Tom who was about to start mm -hmm. his law studies, what advice would you give to that Tom? So I think, I think the most important thing, and, and this is something I touched on earlier, is I, don't neglect the academic side of your studies. Um, I sort of talked a bit more about, previously about the the intrinsic benefits of, of, of working hard in law school, but there's a very practical side to that is if you want to work in a big organisation, be it a law firm, a government department, a corporation, they get thousands of CVs for any opening and they need to cut those down to some extent and whether they admit it or not, they all partially or wholly will use your grades to, to do that, particularly in law firms where they're sort of comparing apples and apples. So uh, I did quite well at law school on that opened up a lot of doors for me. And so I would encourage everyone to take the time to learn how to do law school uh, in, and, and how it's different from what you've done at school or previous study um, and really get to grips, you know, read the cases, understand what's going on. And look, I think there's a pretty good correlation to Flinders between, you know, intelligence and hard work and, and the grades you get. And I think it's, it, it, it will definitely reward you both in the short term and the long term, putting in that effort. Um, also, as I said, get involved socially, academically. I'm still very close with a lot of people I went to law school with, um, catching up with a bunch of them uh, here while I'm in Adelaide and they're all over the world now. So work hard, but uh, enjoy yourself at the same time. That's the, that's the advice I would give. Thank you so much for coming in, Tom. It's been great to catch up with you again. And uh, congratulations on having a career that's been really varied so far. And I wish you all the very best for the future. Thank Thanks you. very much, Tom. Thanks very much, Tom. Thank you for listening to Expect More of Law, the podcast. If you've been inspired, influenced, informed or entertained, please subscribe to the podcast series. To find out more about Flinders Law, please visit flinders.edu.au slash law.